0: Welcome to Off the Cuff with Congressman Jared Huffman. As a representative for California's 2nd Congressional District, Off the Cuff is my opportunity to talk with you about important issues and to introduce you to interesting people from the 2nd District and beyond. It's unfiltered, it's direct, and it's honest. It's Off the Cuff with me, Congressman Jared Huffman. Welcome to this week's Off the Cuff podcast. We're going to do something different this week by taking you virtually to an incredible gun violence town hall I had at Dominican University a few days ago, Uh, a conversation driven by an amazing group of student leaders from around the North Bay. So without further ado, here you go. Welcome, everyone. Thanks to Dominican University. It's great to see a full house here at Dominican on a uh, Sunday morning. Uh, Today's summit is uh, meant to be a student-directed conversation. Of course, I'm your congressman, and politicians like me are always tempted to make uh, long-winded speeches. That's not what this event is all about. Uh, This is about celebrating and encouraging and supporting this amazing younger generation that is stepping up and giving voice to their concerns and their aspirations and for those of us who are a little bit older or a lot older uh... and i see a very generally generationally diverse crowd here today uh... it's about how we can support them and work with them in what I hope will be an intergenerational and transformational coalition to bring some sanity to our gun laws. Now, we have, uh, we have 15 schools represented here today and several organizations who are doing some amazing work to address the scourge of gun violence. We're going to kick off the program with a special uh, Skype guest and then introduce the folks on stage and get right into the group dialogue. I will be uh, trying to facilitate the conversation with the participants on the stage here. And my staff will also be collecting question cards, so if you want to submit a question for the conversation, raise your hand, my staff will get you a card and we will do our best to get to as many of them as we can. And so uh, Bradley Thornton is a 2015 graduate of uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and he along with some of the other recent graduates have been working with the survivors from their alma mater and uh, doing their own amazing advocacy. I'm going to uh, hand it over to Bradley right now who's joining us live from Florida by Skype and uh, ask you to, to say hello Bradley. Welcome to Marin County.
1: Hello, friends, hello,
0: hello. Do you want to say anything else by way of introduction? Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is
2: Bradley Thornton. I just wanted to start off by saying thank you guys so much for having me here. Unfortunately, I'm not Emma Gonzalez, but I do have a, a tiny bit more hair than her, so hopefully that can be a little bit of a help. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me here to talk about... Um, Uh, what my friends and my peers have been working on here to ensure that this tragedy never happens anywhere again.
0: All right. Well, thank you. We really appreciate you being with us. And we'll have, uh, you're going to stick around for a few questions here in just a minute, so thank you for that. Uh, We're joined by Moms Demand Action, the Brady Campaign, and Beyond Differences. These these three organizations, each in their own way, are doing heroic work to uh, help STEM and prevent uh, this problem of gun violence in communities and schools. And uh, now comes the part where we get to meet our student ambassadors.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Samantha Hunt, and I go here to Dominican University. I am a senior, and I represent our student body vice president.
0: Great.
4: My name's Hallie Balch, I also go here to Dominican. Welcome, thank you for being here and for talking with us about this issue. Uh, I represent the student body as the president. Thank you.
5: Hi, my name is Isabel Kuhmiller. I go to Branson High School and I'm just here representing my school and my peers.
1: Good morning, everybody. Buenos dias, everybody. My name is Evelyn Navarro. I am the Associate Student President of SRJC Santa Rosa Junior College. Hello, everyone. My name is Elizabeth Deruvo, and I am from San
6: Marin High School as a freshman to represent everyone at the school. Good morning, everyone. My name is Myrna Mejia.
7: I'm a junior, and I represent Terlinda High School.
8: Alex Samard. Uh, I go to Marine Catholic High School and the student body president over there. I just also wanted to thank Congressman Huffman for hosting this event. I think these are exactly the types of conversations and interactions between adults and students that we need to have. And I, I'm honored to be here. Thank
9: you. Great, thank you. Uh, hello, I am Joe Rico. I go to Tamil Pius High School. Um, it's a school of 1,900 people. I'm also here to represent Redwood High School because I'm substituting for their representative. Hello, my name is Ishmael
2: Azam, and I'm representing College of Marin as the Associated, Students, uh, Associated Student President
1: of College of Marin.
7: My name is Jake Cohen, I'm a freshman at Tam High School, and I'm not only representing the beautiful student body at Tam, but I'm representing the movement of youth who are taking our country back. Right.
4: Um, I'm Izzy Williams.
3: Um, I also go to TAM High School. I'm a sophomore, and I'm really excited to be here. Hi, everyone. My name is Lily Goodyear. I'm representing Drake High School for our students and as well as our teachers. Thank you for having me.
10: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Adam Friedman. I'm representing Marin Academy (laughs) and uh, Bay Area Students for Gun Violence Prevention, an organization that's recently founded that we'd love you to all get involved with.
5: I'm Mary Flagerman. I'm representing the student body at
3: Casa Grande High School, as well as the teachers there. Hi, my name is Lola Amador. I'm a senior representing Tamascal High School, and I'm so thrilled that we have such a great turnout.
6: Hi, I'm Lily Dadnow from San Rafael High School. Um, I'm a sophomore, and there's about 1,300 people there. I organized a rally on Wednesday, for this issue, and then on Friday, the students all had to stay home for threat of gun violence. So I can't think of a better or more meaningful way to spend my Sunday.
0: Hello,
2: I'm Elliot Scheuer. I represent Novato High School, and I'm organizing a March for Gun Control on April 21st.
7: Hello. Hello. Hello, my name is Evan Bruce, and I am representing Mendocino High School. It's about um, 200, 200 miles north of here, and uh, <laughs> it's a small town and on the coast, and uh, it's about, about 200 students all together in our high school. So, um, but we also did a walkout on Wednesday, so I'm here representing um, just my school and here for my peers, so thank you.
0: Thank you, Evan. All right, so those are our student ambassadors, and Evan gets the long distance award. Thanks for coming down from the Mendocino Coast. Um, but we also have some slightly older young people that uh, are important parts of this conversation, so let's do those introductions as well. Laura, you want? To...
11: Good morning, everybody. My name is Laura Talmus. I'm the co-founder and executive director of Beyond Differences, a homegrown nonprofit right here in Marin County.
12: Good morning, my name is Helen Rosen, and I represent, I'm honored to represent Marin County's Mo- Marin Moms Demand Action, and I'm honored to be on the stage with all of you students. Thank you.
4: Hi, my name is Dana Faith Williams, and I'm here to represent Moms Demand Action, and I just wanna say this momentum is unprecedented
12: and it's very exciting. Hi, my name is Jessica Gerber. I'm here representing the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence out of Washington, D.C. And if I could say one thing, Jim and Sarah Brady would be so proud of all of you young people. They too took tragedy and turned it into activism and turned it into change. And we know that if they were alive today, they would be marching right here with you.
0: all right well thank you very much so here's how this is going to go i will exercise the moderator's uh, prerogative to start us off with some questions for our students and then i'd like to open it up to questions uh, that they may want to ask to either me or any of our advocates here from the groups and meanwhile uh, i hope i hope many of you are beginning to submit questions again just raise your hand and we'll get a card in your hands and we'll incorporate those questions in the conversation but i'd like to start with Bradley from Florida. Uh, Bradley, when when we talk about these these mass shootings, these tragedies, uh, the NRA and other folks from the gun lobby often say, well, we we can only talk about other things. And one of those things they always bring up is bullying uh, when a young person does something like what happened in Parkland, Florida. I find that rather ironic because... Your peers, these amazing young people that have been speaking up, are getting bullied in the most savage ways by the NRA and by the gun lobby uh, on social media. Uh, And I think many of us are appalled at the way they have been mistreated. Uh, So I guess I'd like to ask, uh, how are you and, and these young people in Parkland, Florida, handling the negative comments? Uh, and how are they holding up?
2: Okay, uh, well, uh, I think that everyone is um, handling the comments really, really well. Um, it helps that we're all, now because of this movement, we're all very, very close friends. Um, so a lot of times when, um, you know, a, a, an inappropriate comment will come up on social media or something, we'll all share it with each other and say, look at how hilarious this is, look at how ridiculous this is. And I think that's really helped us all. Um, of course, you know, it it, it sometimes does, get to us a little bit but uh our community and our friendship is really what's keeping us afloat so yeah
0: how's emma holding up specifically because she has been singled out and, and targeted by some of these these folks with some brutal comments online
2: yeah emma and cameron and david uh, uh cameron caskey and david hogg as well uh specifically they've been really singled out by uh, um some some really inappropriate comments but um something that i'd like to share uh there was a there was a state rep in Maine that was running unopposed uh, three days ago. And he, on Twitter, um, claimed, or not claimed, he uh, called Emma a skinhead lesbian. And David, in response to this, he tweeted out, uh, in response to that tweet, he said, I don't care who you are, I just hope that somebody runs against this person. Um, Doesn't matter what party you are, doesn't matter who you are, I just want someone to run against this person. Uh, About two hours before the filing date, or before the filing deadline, uh, there was a 28-year-old woman who ran against him, and the next day, he dropped out of the race. So... um,
8: Yeah.
0: So we can't forget that just a few weeks ago, uh, your friend's... Lived through a terrible trauma. Uh, how are they coping with what is obviously a devastating mo- emotional experience? Yeah, uh,
2: the shooting uh, was about a month ago. It was a little over a month ago, and uh, it feels like a lot, a lot longer than that. Um, I think everyone in the movement, everyone at the school, any any student, any alum can tell you that uh, this month has been probably the longest month of their life, um, and I think. You know, everyone, everyone is coping well. Um, the school especially has um, poured tons and tons of time and effort into ensuring the students are as well off as they can be. The first week back um, was all half days, all days where no curriculum took place. It was just a day of healing. Um, lots and lots of school counselors, um, other volunteer counselors from different places came through. Um, Lots and lots of therapy dogs were all over the school, making sure the students and teachers were, uh, you know, as comfortable and as happy as they possibly could be coming back to the school.
0: You've had to become very knowledgeable about gun policy. Uh, did you know anything about this subject before this tragedy in Florida?
2: Uh, yeah, a, a, a little bit. Um, I. A lot of us were very slightly politically active. A lot of us are in um, the arts. So I'm also, I'm a TV production and theater student, um, and a lot of the other uh, students in the movement are. Um, So with arts, um, you know, progress and policy change kind of comes with the territory to a certain extent. Um, But uh, very few of us have experience in real solid politics. And um, you know, through this movement we've all had to become experts on it and it wasn't our choice, but we're glad to do it.
0: I want to see if we can maybe get one or two questions from our student ambassadors that they may have Please. for you. So did did any of you here on stage have a question for Bradley.
6: So I know you guys have done a lot of good work getting attention for this, but I was wondering like what are the next steps, what are the game plans now that we have the whole country's attention? How are we moving forward with that?
2: Awesome. Yeah, okay, great. Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, well, after after the march, um, we are uh, converting into a nonprofit organization, um, and uh, our goal after that is to um, empower and um, inspire our fellow students and our fellow youth to uh, create organic and educated and grassroots-style content to ensure that Gun control and gun violence is the number one voting issue uh, into the, in the upcoming elections. And to do this, we're uh, focusing on. So to do this, we're focusing on um, community outreach programs and uh, creating a, a vast network of uh, intersectional representation to discuss gun safety. Um, and I heard that there was voter registration at this event, and I really, really encourage all of you guys
0: to register if you haven't. Good. One more question up here? That, they covered it? Okay. So we're going to keep moving. Bradley, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I just want to, uh, we, we got to let you get on with your day uh, back in Florida, but I want to thank you and your peers and your colleagues in Florida. They've been an amazing, and you have been an amazing inspiration for all of us, and Personally, one of my favorite things about your advocacy uh, is that when the adults and when the governor of Florida and the state legislature and President Trump and others uh, offer things that are ra- rather cosmetic uh, as a response, that are not substantive, that are not really responsive to the scale of this problem, you guys call them out. You say, This is not good enough. Absolutely. So please, uh, please continue to set the bar high and uh, keep holding elected officials to a, a high standard and look forward to working together with you. Thank you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, if I can just uh, end real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to give a quick plug to the March for Our Lives. Um, it's going to be on March 24th, uh, this, Saturday, this upcoming Saturday at 12 p.m., uh, specifically in Washington, D.C., but if, if you guys can't make it out there, there are over 800 other marches all across the world. We are now in every single continent. We're even working on Antarctica right now. Wow. Um, so, right. so if you guys can't make it out to PC, we're asking you guys to, um, to stand with us wherever you guys are. We're asking anyone that stands with us in demanding that our government takes more action on gun safety and gun control to come show your support and march with us.
0: Awesome. Have you got a hashtag? Do, do you have a hashtag uh, for this march?
2: Yeah, our, our hashtag is March4OurLives, and you guys can follow us on Twitter at a march number 4 ourlives
0: Terrific. Have a great day, awesome. and thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. So um, I'd like to now bring the conversation back to our student ambassadors, uh, and uh, we've got a whole bunch of questions and ground to cover here. But um, let me ask a question of the group, and we'll we'll just go back and forth here for a little while. Uh, what do our student ambassadors think of this idea that's been circulating about arming teachers as a response to school shootings? <laughs>
5: Been approached by many teachers about their feelings about uh, being armed and their fears about being armed, and I've also been approached by many students about them hoping and praying that their teachers are never armed. And so, <laughs> um, I actually have a, a question for you: of what are we going to do about that if that is something that goes underway? How can we stop that?
0: Okay. Good. So that will not happen unless, uh, it, it won't certainly won't happen because the federal government says go arm teachers. Uh, what could happen uh, is that President Trump and this Congress might be able to create some incentives and some funding for states and school districts that want to do this, but the decision to do this will come down at least to the state, probably to the local school district and maybe even individual school community level. That's where everyone is gonna have to think about this and decide is that our answer to school safety? Uh, And I will just tell you, everywhere I go, uh, the answer is loud and clear from both students and educators and parents, that this is a really dumb idea. So, um, I'm not really all that concerned that we're on the verge of seeing armed teachers in the North Bay and Mendocino and the North Coast. I, I really don't think anyone's going to want to or choose to do that. My bigger concern is that it's a distraction, uh, that by throwing this out there, President Trump and the NRA are getting us all excited about this, this debate over a crazy idea, uh, and time passes, and all of this is preventing us from focusing on a handful of really sensible things we can do that, are close to consensus items when you look at the polling on background checks when you look at the polling on assault weapons now uh best polling numbers we've seen in in 30 years or so on doing something about assault weapons so we have an opportunity and a moment where we actually could do things that would make us safer my concern is this arming teachers you know is sort of the distraction that takes our focus away from that Let's, uh, let's keep going. I have a couple of questions from the audience that we'll work in right now. Uh, first one is, do any of you have parents or friends who were anti-gun control uh, laws before and have since changed their minds? And then the second one is, to graduating students who may be going out of state to college, uh, do you know the gun laws of the states where you are thinking about attending college? Do you, uh, is that a factor that you think about uh, when you think about your safety? So there's two questions. I invite our students to jump in.
3: All right, so I will go ahead and try to take on the first question. I'm from Redding, California, which is at the very top of the state and represents a very different kind of background than the one that I found here in Marin. Um, (laughs) Yes, both of my parents um, are very pro-gun, Um, Pro Second Amendment, and they have, since having conversations with me and hearing about all of these senseless tragedies, have shifted their opinions, and they do see the importance of common sense gun legislation, and after constant conversations, I can't tell you how many times they use the phrase, we're not trying to take away guns, mom. It, it, it has helped shift because I think that what's important here is to recognize that people are being killed, and this is humanity at issue. What HCO.
0: do you think shifted it for them? Was it just worrying about their daughter as they watched these school shootings and these mass tragedies?
3: Um, I think that that certainly played a huge role, especially for my mom. Um, I'm her only child, her baby. And so for her to understand that these are, this is happening to children, and that it's happening to children in a place where they should be safe to learn and to grow as people and as citizens, um, she realized that she needed to make a change in the way that her mind had been set to believe. That's
0: great. Others?
3: So
6: I have a friend at school um, who, he's a hunter, and he personally owns a good deal of rifles. Um, so How I've, old is his friend? He's 17. Okay. So I've talked to him about this issue before, and one of the things that's really shocked me is how despite him owning rifles and being very pro-Second Amendment, we actually agree on the majority of issues. He thinks background checks are reasonable. He thinks that convicted criminals shouldn't own guns. So I guess I want to ask you something as well. So one of my concerns is, okay, when I was planning the rally, I didn't get any student speakers to agree to sign up beforehand, but then when we had some adult speakers from... um, outspeakers who had agreed to come, he stepped up to the platform and he started asking questions and everybody got really mad at him because that was not what the rally was for. And then about 20 students agreed to speak up. So it ended up being really fabulous and getting people involved. But it made me a little bit concerned about the polarization that's happening in the country and that he was picking out like, oh, you want to just take away the Second Amendment and like that isn't, like you said, nobody is trying to take away all the guns. So how do we move forward without dividing the country?
0: That's a great question. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple things I think in that question. First of all, um, if, if we're here to tell young people that they should have a voice and that they should be listened to, uh, we gotta be prepared for the fact that we may get some different perspectives as they're speaking out, and that has to be okay. All right, so I think the challenge is to make sure that that dialogue is respectful uh, and civil uh, and th- that it becomes a conversation and not people just uh, talking at each other. I was recently uh, at a school. I- I've been at a bunch of schools. This was Cardinal Newman High School uh, up in uh, Santa Rosa area, uh, a school that has you know really got hit by the-, the tragic fires in the North Bay. And most of the students overwhelmingly... Uh, we're sort of of one view on this issue, but there was a little cluster uh, of boys who I could tell were not uh, were not digging it, and uh, they came up to me afterwards and didn't really feel safe in the bigger group uh, expressing their views. They think that assault rifles are okay, and you know they're they're very much of the pro uh, NRA uh, perspective. And we had a conversation, and I, and I hope I told them a few things that they didn't know, but. Uh, I tried to do it in a very respectful way. It's too bad that they felt that they couldn't say some of these things in the broader group. And so I guess I would urge all of you, as you find your voice, uh, to, to make sure that you also you know, develop the, the, uh, the skills to have conversations that go back and forth. Uh, I think you'll be more effective that way, and I, I think that's what we all want to see. So I- any other students want to jump in here? Yeah.
3: I actually have a question for you. Okay. Coming
2: from Nevada, High, where there is a larger conservative population and a larger amount of students who do enjoy guns and don't believe in gun control, mm-hmm. how do you uh, open this discussion without polarizing and getting people to just shut down right. because they don't want to listen?
0: Uh, it's a great question. So here's maybe the most important thing. as If you're talking to people who feel strongly about guns here in the state of California, uh, just ask them... Look, you, you are able to have access to guns and shoot guns and own guns, right? And you live in California, so you, you have a Second Amendment right that has not been uh, eliminated. No one that I know of uh, is credibly arguing for anything at the national level different than what is already the law in the state of California. So I think that's probably the most important thing is to sort of debunk this paranoia uh, that we're talking about taking all guns away or doing some of these extreme things. We're really talking about taking some of the sensible things that the state of California has been doing for many years in most cases and making them a universal standard that applies around the country so that you know, we have a really rigorous background check system here in the state, but when folks can go to Nevada and get around that, we got a problem. And that's really the kind of thing we're talking about. And maybe that'll demystify some of these things a little bit for those who are paranoid and and worried about, you know, overreaching. Yeah. Um,
10: I'd love to speak to the the second question Mm -hmm. about uh, thinking about college. So next year I'm going to be going to D.C. for college, to GW, which I'm very excited about. And thank you. Um, Obviously, when I was going through my college search, I was thinking a lot about the role guns play in different communities and uh, politics in general. But I think often in this conversation, we come at it from a place of fear. Obviously, you know, sometimes I'm afraid to go to school. I see these shootings. I wonder if that's going to be me. But when making big decisions in, in my life, and I encourage you all to think about this, I try not to act from a place of fear, but from a place of action. And I'm going to school in D.C. next year. Thank you in part so I can do work with the Brady Center, uh, which I'm very excited about, so I can advocate and work with our politicians, and so I can, I can do work to make change. And I encourage you all to think about this notion, not of how we can act out of fear, but how we can act out of action, how we can advocate, and how we can continue to push to make change, not only on the local and state level, but on the federal level as well.
0: Um, yeah.
8: Yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to kind of express uh, kind of a similar opinion, because uh, over at Marine Catholic, as I was sort of organizing kind of of our sort of walkout event, uh, there were a lot of conservative students who sort of came up to me, and we had these conversations where uh, where they came up to me and they said, is this a pro-gun control event? And we kind of had to sit down and have those conversations. But I think those are important conversations to have, because I think sort of the greatest issue when it comes to to these sort of gun issues is apathy, sort of this idea that, that individuals sort of don't care uh, so sort of about what ha- what's happening, and they, and they don't think this is an important issue. I think regardless of sort of which side of the political aisle that you're on, um, if you are having these conversations, you're not being apathetic, and, and, and you're sort of being encouraged to take action. Um, and I think, you know, especially at, at Marin Catholic, we all sort of marched as a community, um, sort of in silence, sort of, sort of gun code, uh, gone pro-gun uh, and pro-gun control people sort of stood side by side, and we said, we want to take action sort of regardless of what that action is. Um, And I think that's something that maybe we're not seeing in Washington. Um, And I I had a question for you, Congressman, Mm -hmm. uh, which is after- I love these
0: guys, they're firing questions at me as I'm asking them questions. Uh, Keep it coming.
8: um, (laughs) uh, Are you seeing sort of uh, the same levels of apathy on Capitol Hill as you you saw before? Or or are you seeing Congress people sort of coming to realize that no, this is an issue and we need to take action. Or is there still apathy? Uh, Kind of what have been your observations?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So let me just tell you, uh, sadly, I have seen a whole bunch of these mass shootings come and go from actually the time between my election and my swearing in in Congress. The Newtown, Connecticut, Sandy Hook shooting happened uh, as I was literally at at a training session for new members of Congress. And uh, my colleague uh, who represents Newtown, Connecticut, Elizabeth Esty, started getting text messages and calls, and, and sort of, so I was sort of indirectly um, experiencing that with her. And it's just been one incident after another. What I see in Congress is always the same. Uh, what I see is a Republican majority that doesn't really want To talk about this certainly doesn't want to have, there haven't been hearings, there haven't been votes on any of these things, except for a few things to roll back protections and to lower standards, believe it or not. What we typically do is we have a moment of silence on the floor of the House, and Speaker Ryan comes out and in a very solemn way will bang his gavel and Uh, someone from the state where the tragedy has occurred will make a short statement about thoughts and prayers and let's observe a moment of silence. The house will then uh, solemnly bow their heads for about 20 seconds. The gavel will bang and we go right back to business as usual. So. (laughs) I I don't know if I'd describe it as apathy uh, but it's certainly cowardly. Uh, what happens in Congress? Yeah. And unfortunately, it hasn't changed even after Parkland, Florida. In, in fact, that right after that incident, there was so much political pressure building that Speaker Ryan actually sent Congress home early a couple weeks ago. He did not want us even to be in session because there was so much pressure for us to do something. And look, the playbook, the playbook for the Republican majority and the NRA is always the same, right? It's to kind of run out the clock and hope that people sort of forget about this and that we move on and, and talk about other things. And that's why what you all are doing and this march and everything else is so important because what you're saying is not this time. We're not going to let this issue go away. So that's, that's the test. Yeah.
7: So this is kind of a comment and kind of a question. Um, So I'm a freshman, and as soon as I turn 18, I am running for office. Um, (laughs) And whether that's city council, whether that's district board or something else, it's just something I'm going to do on behalf of my Jewish community, my queer community, and most of all, my youth community. And I think that... (laughs) I think that's something we are starting to all experience is there are false promises coming from adults who pretend to be our allies. And and I need to know, as someone who is going to become an elected official and needs to survive a day at school that I am going to have adults in my life, elected officials in my life, my future colleagues, who are going to be held accountable and actually follow through with the work that I'm going to be doing when I am an elected official. <laughs> so, my question is, how are you going to follow through? How can you make sure that all of us have the chances that we deserve to not only have our right to an education outweigh somebody else's to be armed, but how are you going to be a good ally to our generation of future elected officials and current activists?
0: Well, uh, more power to you, and I think when we talk about holding adults and elected officials to a standard of accountability, hey, that's got to include me too. So uh, by all means, uh, don't don't think that I'm not ready uh, for that standard. I hope that by being here uh, and having this forum, that gives you some assurance that I want to be uh, a working partner with you and your generation on all of these things. But you know, take take a look at what elected officials do by way of their votes, by way of the bills that they're co-sponsoring, uh, and not just the, the speeches and other things, the, 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 the higher profile things they do. Uh, If you take a look at a number of us in Congress, we are co-sponsoring a lot of good bills, and they're the things that you are demanding votes on, the things that Speaker Ryan won't allow to have hearings and won't allow to have votes. We're talking about a real comprehensive background check system and not this cosmetic fix-nix thing that may may be all that comes uh, from from this political moment. Uh, We're talking about a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. And I have been uh, co-sponsoring all of these different bills since the moment I got to Congress. Uh, we're talking about uh, repealing this really insidious piece of legislation called the Dickey Amendment, by which Congress prevents the Center for Disease Control from even studying the public health effects of gun violence. So that's that's sort of just a short list of some of the most meaningful pieces, but. These bills would make a difference, and I would love to work with all of you and everyone else in your generation to make it happen. Yeah, Lily.
3: Um, So police responded to calls about Nicholas Cruz 39 times, but he was never charged with a crime. How do you think we could create a system that protects the rights and privacy of the people, but still can realize the difference between Nicholas Cruz, who publicly announced he wanted to be a school shooter, and Nicholas Cruz, who actually was a school shooter?
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's a question that all of us need to answer. Certainly, there needs to be some accountability at every one of those agencies that dropped the ball. But look, here's the piece that I don't think we talk about enough. Uh, you can talk about the mental health system not catching this guy um, when there were all of these warnings, but I think the gun issue was part of that too. Because what when we talk about what should have happened, this guy should have had his guns taken away, right? <laughs> He shouldn't have had access to those guns at his age, in my opinion. Certainly there should have been triggers about his mental health that also uh, prevented him from getting those guns. But why is it that at every level people are afraid to go in and take these guns away when there are red flags and warning signs? It's part of this gun rights, uh, I believe, extremism. That, you know, individual liberty means having whatever weapon you want, and we've just got to break through that wrong-headed thinking. This guy should have had his guns taken away, and I think the gun sort of fever uh, in this country is part of why the system failed.
12: Hi, I just want to address that. There is a law in California. It's called an extreme risk protection order. And one of the reasons um, most of the police in our country don't have the ability to take guns away. Um, We are hoping to have a federal law to have extreme risk protection order that through due process, family members and police officers can take guns away from dangerous people. So that is one of the laws that we are working very hard at Brady to pass as well. Like I said, we do have it in California. We often are the leaders in this, um, but we need to, A, people don't in California don't even know we have this law, so we need to do a better job letting people know that that exists and pushing to have this be federal law.
11: And I just want to mention that for adults here, kids know who the other children are in their communities who are feeling so socially isolated that they're starting to come off the rails, and the kids at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School said they knew as early as middle school who this shooter was. Now, I'm not saying that ending uh, having good programs are going to end all violence. We need to get guns out of the hands of people who should not have them. That's why Beyond Differences is here, but if we could implore students to become leaders in their own schools, speak up, demand that their teachers are paying attention to them and bring positive programs into the schools, we can start to get to kids earlier, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they're ready to take responsibility for their, each other's actions and to have each other's backs. And all we can do is to try to change the culture earlier before guns become the issue. It's hard to do, but we should try.
9: All right, other student, yeah, please. Yeah, well, I have actually a question for every, all the other students sitting on the panel. Um, so, I was reading this article on NPR, and after the shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School, the threats per day of school shootings increased from 10 to 50. So, after a school shooting, more and more threats are coming into schools and everything and, um, for violence at the schools. I know that the Tamil Pious High School District has a serious problem with like Redwood of bomb threats, school shooting threats, people are doing it as a joke to get out of tests that Tamahai was written in a bathroom it there be a school shooting at a certain time. Personally, I know this is 100% unacceptable, and I want to hear about, from your schools, what the culture is around these threats and what you believe we could do to make sure that we um, change that and what we could do to educate people on kind of the seriousness of this problem and make sure that we, as activists, as our age group, can be taken seriously. Because if we're making these threats, they're faceless, just for these petty reasons of, oh man, I had this calculus test, or haha ha what a joke, there's no way that our voices could be taken seriously. So what's going on at your school, and what do you think we could do?
5: Something that I think has been an issue at my school, at least, and with some of the peers I've talked to at other schools, is that it's hard for people to understand what it's like to be under the constant siege of gun violence because we are in a very privileged area that's often not affected by these issues the same way that communities of color have been affected by these issues for so long. And so something else that I also wanted to touch on is that every time that there's a school shooter who has been a white male, mental health has come up. And I absolutely agree... I absolutely agree that mental health is a huge problem and that there should be mental health checks, of course, if you're trying to buy a gun. Uh, But I also think that when you have this national conversation that's getting so much attention, we can't lose the narrative around communities of color and how much work people have put in already. And so uh, the one last thing was that when my school did, on Wednesday, we had a walkout and we had kind of a, more of a school-sanctioned, smaller walkout with voter registration and things like that. And then a smaller group of students uh, that me and some of my friends organized walked to the Ross police station to protest gun violence as inclusive of police violence as well. And so we really just, and and then me and some of my friends went to the San Francisco march that was organized by the San Francisco public schools after, and that was a really beautiful movement that was so intersectional as well. And so I think that as we're going forward and as so many of us have different identities that intersect, whether it being a person of color or queer or whatever it may be, if communities that see higher rates of gun violence, we need to make sure that we include those narratives and really talk about it, especially because we have so much privilege around what attention we get and what we can talk about.
4: And I do want to follow up maybe with just a bit of encouragement for your schools and for, I mean, the uh, the discussion that you just encouraged here, Dominican did have, after our walkout, we had an entire campus safety briefing where we all sat down with the leaders of our school, with the administration, with the staff, and we expressed our concerns talking about, you know, what about if doors don't lock? What if we do have an active shooter? How recent are these protocols? How quickly have they been updated upon these horrible things that we're seeing? So in these smaller institutions, we're seeing these grassroots uprisings, and we're seeing these students that are concerned, and we're voicing our concerns to our administrators, and they're hearing us, and they're talking to us as peers and so I think that that's really something encouraging maybe not just a plug for Dominican but maybe just a plug for you know they hear us and we can be a force for change even in our small institutions so just be a little bit encouraged by that um, for starters and then I also actually have a question for Congressman Huffman because that's what we're doing um, and I this isn't the first time that we've seen gun violence as we've talked about previously you know we've had these constant tragedies continue to happen and so in our time as in student government um, over the past couple years, we have organized voter registration. We have done letter writing campaigns, but we're not seeing that change that we're asking for. We're not seeing the things that we need, that we need to see in our nation. So I'm curious, and I, I think the rest of us probably are too, what can we do that's more than a letter writing campaign? What can we do that's more than a march that will be nationally recognized to see the change that we need?
0: Well, it's a great question, and I think the actions that will be most impactful have to really create some heat and pressure on elected officials who are voting the wrong way. I will give you an example. I've got a colleague not far from here, a Republican, Jeff Denham, who's a good guy. I like him, but he recently voted on a bill to deregulate silencers. Uh, and he voted for that. And I can't believe his constituents or the people of the state of California think it's a good idea in this day and age with the scourge of gun violence to actually make us less safe by deregulating silencers, which have been regulated, you know, since the Al Capone days, right, when we figured out that that was a bad idea. Uh, there's another bill that's, that's uh, percolating through the House to do something called concealed carry reciprocity, and this is a technical term, right? Uh, But what this really means is that if you can go to some state or local jurisdiction anywhere in the country and get a concealed carry permit, uh, which in many cases you can get really easily with very little scrutiny, very little training required, uh, that... Every other jurisdiction in the country would be required to uh, honor that concealed carry right. And so you could have people right here in San Rafael with concealed weapons uh, because of a permit that they got in some place that has totally different standards and values um, and, and laws in place. That's a terrible idea. It would make us a lot less safe. Law enforcement believes that it's a really terrible idea. And yet, it it might just pass the House of Representatives. It's got a whole bunch of Republican co-sponsors, that bill. So I think targeting the accountability on the folks who are actually putting up these bad votes, making sure that they know that people are watching and that there will be accountability is going to be the key to what you just asked about. Yeah.
7: Um, So in part, like, vibing with with what you said, because that was miraculous. And in part, answering to your
0: question, I think
7: that... If we're going to be successful, we have to do a few things because we are young people and we live in a culture of adultism and ageism. (laughs) Um, Number one, we have to remember to keep this movement intersectional. If we're not led by women, in particular women of color, queer folks, trans folks, immigrants, we are not going to get anything done. Secondly, we have to remember to hold people accountable. Just because we have less age does not mean that we have less power, even if they're telling us otherwise. And I think we need to remember how to um, call out these issues and call out this culture. That goes for every social action issue across the board. We cannot normalize hate or violence. And that starts with the media. That starts with our elected officials. And that starts with banning things like bump stocks, making sure that our districts are exemplary for what we want our country to look like.
1: Um, can, I just,
0: can I just add on, uh, I really want to echo the, the hate piece of what you just brought up, because we've seen some of these mass shootings that involve such hateful thinking and ideology. I'm thinking about Charleston, South Carolina in particular, and, and the young man, Dylan Roof, who walked into a, a, a church and slaughtered these wonderful people. And we read just last week that his sister... Uh, was just found to have a gun and making threats of her own about hoping people are shot. So th- this this hateful thinking and in many cases racist or homophobic thinking that is behind some of this violence uh, has to be called out and confronted. I agree.
1: A lot of the times when we're having the conversation of inclusion, we acknowledge it and then we move on without creating any action because of it. Okay. And so I think a lot of times with social change, especially when we are promoting inclusion, especially in times like this in our youth, and I have to say as a college student, as a student body president, I see high school students almost like our little brothers and sisters, and I see my colleagues here from Dominican, I see colleagues here from other colleges, and I would like to say we are incredibly proud of you, and incredibly proud of your strength. And so I would like to also remind everybody of the undocumented population of our students. Not just in middle school, but also high school students, also college students. As a representative of over 20,000 students, I represent a large population of documented students as well, and I ask you, what are we doing for them? What are we doing for them to include them in our education? What are we doing for them to include them in this process? Because they are, at this time, they are afraid to simply go pick up their children. So imagine that fear even twice so in finding out that their children might possibly be in danger. So please, let us remember of the undocumented population and what are we doing for them, congressmen?
11: Yeah.
0: Well, to our students uh, and to our advocates here, I think they like you. Uh, I hope that's clear, Um, and I hope that all of us go forward from this really interesting and important conversation determined to do everything that we possibly can, whether uh, you're one of the young people that are stepping up uh, to become active citizens and demand change for your generation, or whether you're one of the parents or educators or others who've joined us here today, all of us can do more, all of us need to do more and we've got to keep this thing going. So we're gonna close out with a moment of silence that'll be 17 seconds. Uh, We do that in solidarity with the students and educators who lost their lives in Parkland, Florida, but of course we'll be thinking about the thousands and thousands of victims of gun violence every year in this country, and perhaps thinking during that moment of silence about what each of us individually can do to try to make a difference as we go forward. So please join me uh, in a moment of silence. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We'll see you soon. Off the Cuff is produced by Marin Zone Tales Untold Media. Our music is also local, provided by Temp Love. Don't miss out on future episodes of Off the Cuff. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Just search for Off the Cuff with Jared Huffman.